Welcome in, everybody, here on a Tuesday. Mike Steely, Parker Thune with you. Happy to be talking to you. Air Comfort Solutions, text line 405-651-3439. we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. As usual, our first hour presented by Lasher Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. They'll do great work for you. We've got uh, Sooner Basketball tonight. Oklahoma hasn't won at Kansas at the Fog in nearly 30 years. The last time they did was February of 1993. Great game for Terry Evans, a Billy coached team. Billy Tubbs coached team went into the Fog and won that game. It's been a long time since, like I said, nearly 30 years. The Sooners played well at KU last year. Remember we had that incredible Buddy Heald game in Allen Fieldhouse where the Sooners came up short. So, Parker, the task tonight, try and go on the road and beat Kansas. Well, I'm going to – here's the thing, Steely. I'm going to believe that that streak ends when I see that that streak ends. Because, as you mentioned, Oklahoma's gotten so close so many times in recent years and just have never been able to break through. They were a shot away last year, and somehow in that building – Kansas always comes out on the winning end against OU. I'm real curious to know how you're doing this morning, seeing as how Oklahoma football just hired another glorified junior college coach. To well, staff. you know, I think uh, this looks like uh, this was the guy that you talked about, Emmett Jones uh-huh. from Texas Tech. He was at Kansas before Tech. Uh, deep roots in Dallas, which obviously is a, a very fertile recruiting territory for Oklahoma, so that's a good uh, thing on his resume. So, uh, yes, Emmett Jones from Texas Tech. You talked about it again yesterday. You thought he was going to be the guy. It's official today. That's right. And this is a really good hire for Oklahoma, a really impactful hire, because when you're talking about this program's recruiting footprint, Steely, where is it? Well, Texas is, you know, Oklahoma's success in Texas has been huge. Exactly. And not just Texas. But the Midwest as well. You're talking about a 250, 300-mile radius. And what Emmett Jones brings to the table in terms of his breadth of experience is he is a guy that is not only very well-respected and has deep-rooted relationships on the prep scene in the state of Texas, which always goes a long way as far as recruiting, but he's got plenty of those relationships throughout the Midwest as well, particularly in that Kansas City metroplex, for instance, because... He was on staff as an assistant at Kansas for several years. So he is well-known, well-respected, highly regarded, not just in Texas, but across the Midwest. And so when it comes to being able to recruit the wide receiver position, especially locally in that area that you would consider Oklahoma's recruiting footprint traditionally, you couldn't have done much better than Emmett Jones. Yeah, you talk about Dallas and Kansas City. I mean, think about what Oklahoma did in the Kansas City area this year. You get P.J. Atabari, you get Caden Green. They've done well there. Uh, anybody who knows Oklahoma football knows how you know beneficial, how important, how crucial, really, uh, recruiting the state of Texas has been for OU over the years. I believe when Barry Switzer and uh, you know Chuck Fairbanks and those guys got a jump on recruiting African-American players way before Texas, I think that was huge. I think that was gigantic. And the Sooners, again, have always been able to get their fair share from the Dallas area. And uh, Emmett Jones has roots there as well. So uh, I think this is a good hire. Now, David Guaybu to the portal. Now guys who could have another year waiting on what? Guys like Jaden Davis, uh, Marcus Stripling, uh, Jordan Kelly, guys like that. Uh, C.J. Colden again announced uh, last week. 
But what are we thinking on some other guys that still have a decision to make? Well, that's a great question because you look at the likes of a Jaden Davis or Jordan Kelly, for instance, and those situations are far from one and the same because Jordan Kelly is a guy from Tulsa, Oklahoma, right? Local kid, always dreamed of being a Sooner. Now he is a Sooner. He's going to be a Sooner as long as he feasibly can. And he doesn't have much NFL draft stock right now, nor does Jaden Davis for that matter. But Davis is a guy that uh, hails from the state of Florida, had some promises made to him by the former staff that were not kept, and that was why he kind of became disenchanted with Oklahoma. Uh, Was really reinvigorated when the new staff arrived on the scene, but got supplanted by C.J. Colden, didn't see a whole heck of a lot of snaps throughout the second half of the 2022 season. So when I evaluate those situations, I think Jordan Kelly's back, no question about it. A guy like Jaden Davis, though, I consider him to be in the same vein as somebody like David Aguebu, right? You have one year left, but you also have a multiplicity of other contributors at your position that are probably going to beat you out and are probably, at the, at the very least, you're going to cede significant snaps to them. So that's why David Aguebu moved on. It wouldn't shock me if somebody like Jaden Davis decided, you know what? Given the opportunity that I would have at Oklahoma in 2023, it might be worth it to hit the portal and look for a greater opportunity elsewhere. Yeah, the Sooners have hit the uh, portal hard, no doubt, for defensive help. No question about it. Uh, So we'll see what's going to happen there. But again, uh, uh, the news today, again, Emmett Jones coming in as the new wide receivers coach. As far as uh, LD Washington, we already have a question on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. Please tell me Washington is going to be kept on the staff. Doesn't look like it's going to be the case. Doesn't look like that is going to happen. All right, so uh, how about that national championship beatdown last night? Good <laughs> oh, my Lord. goodness, Steely. Oh, you know, my, my favorite treat, tweet of the evening, and there were some good ones, but my favorite tweet of the evening wasn't a humorous one. It was a matter-of-fact one uh, from Pick 6 Previews, which tweeted that that is literally, Steely, that is the most lopsided bowl game in history. Yeah, not like a playoff no. game, bowl game. No, not playoff game, bowl not New Year's game. Six. The most lopsided bowl game in history. And look, I was confident Georgia was going to win that game, but my goodness, if you told me they were going to win that game 65-7, to I would have said no, n- not a have, snowball chance You didn't have TCU plus 59 in is what you're saying. <laughs> Man, I, you know, TCU... Really good year, won a lot of close games, Cinderella story. Max Duggan played out of his mind. That was a veteran, portal-helped team that had a lot of experience, and they bought into Sonny Dykes in his first year. Sonny Dykes did an unbelievable job, no doubt about it. But Georgia is on a different level, clearly. Welcome to the SEC, everybody. Now, that's the very top of the SEC and college football now for two straight years. Did you hear the uh, pregame Kirby Smart speech? There's no video of it, but the audio's out there. I did not hear and, the pregame speech. And uh, there was, there was, it's, uh, it's not safe for work, but it's some good stuff. And he said, he told Holly Rowe, you know, what the, she asked him, what do they need to do? Be aggressive. We're going, uh, we're going hunting out there tonight, and they did, man. Max Duggan was running for his life. Quentin Johnston, who's a great wide receiver, was a non-factor. You know, somebody said, "Well, if they had Kendra Miller, it would have been a better game." No, probably not. Probably not. No, no. Georgia one player is not changing the outcome. Th- this was Mike Tyson against Glass Joe. 
is what it was. The Here's the thing. The game didn't get any better after Georgia put in all their second teamers. Georgia's second teamers were still taking TCU behind the woodshed. Yeah. Well. That, it, it, that was a runaway train. And honestly, Steely, I think we got to start having a conversation about Stetson Bennett as one of the greatest and most accomplished quarterbacks that the collegiate game has ever seen. And I get that those are two different categories, and we're going to have all sorts of texts about it because greatest and most accomplished are not nearly one and the same. But when you're talking about the legends at the quarterback position in the history of college football, Stetson Bennett has put his name on the list. No doubt. I truly believe no that. No doubt about it. Six total touchdowns last night. And more importantly, when you trace back the origin – of this Georgia mini dynasty. Georgia was a really good football program before Stetson Bennett got there and hit his stride. But they put it all together as a team once he put it together as a quarterback. He was the catalyst. And that's why you've seen this team roll to two consecutive national championship games. I'll also say this. Regardless of how ugly it was, it got last night, and it got ugly, TCU deserves to be there. Yeah, they did. Yeah, they yeah, beat they, an they... undefeated Michigan in the Fiesta Bowl. So I don't want to hear all that BS about how TCU was a waste of time, how they didn't deserve to be on the same field as Georgia. No, TCU earned the right to be on that field, and they got walloped. Yeah, and Georgia is much more talented, no doubt about it. And Georgia played a great game. I thought Todd Monken absolutely took uh, Gillespie to school last night. And when you have better athletes also and you execute at a high level like they did, man, it got way out of hand. Uh, Stetson Bennett is not anywhere near great. Stop it, Parker. He's a great college player, though. Yeah, look. Tim Tebow was a great college player. It doesn't mean he's a great (laughs) talent. It means he's a great, you know, leadership. And, you know, he didn't have a good game against Ohio State until late in the game when they really needed him. He struggled big time. Exactly. When but he comes, played great last night. It comes down to how you define great. right? If, you're, if great to you means prolific, then no, Stetson Bennett isn't one of the greats in the history of college football. When I talk about great at the quarterback position, I'm talking about a guy that pulls his weight and continually puts his team in position to win football games, doesn't just ride his teammates' coattails. And I don't feel like Stetson Bennett has done that because, yes, Georgia has had some really good defenses over the last few years. But still, it wasn't the defense that beat Ohio State last week. That was Stetson Bennett piecing together a fourth-quarter comeback for the ages. It wasn't the defense that hung six total touchdowns on TCU last night. That was Stetson Bennett. And some of the throws he made, Steely, some of the balls that he placed over the course of that football game. Now, I'll be honest, I I watched some of those plays he made, and I said, man, he's not the most physically imposing guy, but that's a guy that could be an NFL football player. And I'm not saying a long-term starter. I'm not saying Hall of Famer, not saying any of that. But Stetson Bennett's going to play pro football. I see him as maybe a backup or something, and somebody's saying, I can name 10 quarterbacks in the last 10 years you can put on that Georgia roster last night, and they're better. Yeah, well, okay, yeah, Matthew Stafford would be better. Uh, who won their last national championship in 1980? Buck Blue was the quarterback of that Herschel Walker team, and he was a decent college player. But, yeah, there's no doubt he's surrounded by great talent. But what I like about him is his execution, looking off receivers, you know, making these throws. Obviously, he's 25 years old, so he's uh, he's up there age-wise. But 
a a great college he was, player. He was on the roster for the Rose Bowl, Steely. Isn't that crazy? The Rose Bowl. How good is Brock Bowers? Now, we all knew that Brock Bowers was great. We've known he was great since he first set foot on campus in Athens right there. But, man, they had no answer him, well, for him and last it makes, night. It starts to make sense why Georgia takes like three or four tight ends, three or four elite tight ends in every single recruiting class, right? Because if you can hit on one of those guys every year, if you can have a new Brock Bowers every single year – Who's going to be able to defend a guy like that? That's why I think the Sooners should have gotten Malachi Coleman. He might be able to be that yeah, guy. He's a wide receiver. Now, he's a wide receiver. I could see him playing tight end, though. Maybe being a Kyle Pitts type. Maybe being a Brock Bowers type. We'll see. All right. Hour number one presented by Lasher Home Comfort Systems. we got a lot of stuff to talk about today. Uh, Sooners have a new receivers coach, Emmett Jones, coming in from Texas Tech. We'll talk about what's happening in the portal with Oklahoma. All kinds of Sooner news coming up. And uh, we'll preview the basketball game in the fog tonight at Allen Fieldhouse. Mike Steely along with Parker Thune. We're just getting cranked up here on a Tuesday. Be right back here on the Home of Sooner Fans. Mike Steely, Parker Thune, back with you. Home of Sooner fans here on a Tuesday. Thank you again to Tim Lasher, great Sooner, great company. Lasher, Home Comfort Systems, 405-579-3113. I've been talking a little bit about uh, Emmett Jones, the Sooners' new wide receivers coach. Talking about George's thrashing of TCU last night, 65-7 to was the final. Man, that was... Uh, that was just, uh, man, the biggest beatdown ever. Does that, that takes a little bit. At least you're not thinking as much about 55-19 Oklahoma in that game or the Peach Bowl beatdown with it's, LSU. It, it, on, on, the, on the flip side, though, it does make you wonder. Georgia beat TCU 65-7. to TCU beat Oklahoma 55-24. Uh, so that makes are, – are, are you – are you glad that that OU not Georgia non-conference game that was scheduled for this coming September is now off the slate? And probably because... yes, yes. Now eventually you're going to have to to be the best. You're going to have to play the best, and the Sooners will in the SEC. But yes, absolutely. All right, uh, let's get to the Air Comfort Solutions text line, and then we'll talk a little Sooner basketball and more in the next segment. We've got portal stuff to get into. Let's see what everybody wants to talk about. By the way, I'm curious: Are you officially granting Emmett Jones a Bill Beatonbow Hall pass? Yes. As far as his Texas yes. Tech lineage? Yes, I am. Yes, okay. I am. Yes. Bill so Beaton we are absolving him of his sins as a former employee of Texas Tech University. There, you, there is a much more extensive vetting process for anyone from Tech, but yes, we're good. We're good there. Uh, here we go. Air Comfort Solutions text line. Another Riley folding in a big game. Yeah. Death taxes and the SEC laying waste to the Riley name. I finally got your uh, pick this morning, by the way, about 4.30 a.m. because I went to bed right after the game. But, yes, it was pretty good. Pretty good. Oh, man. Uh, Here we go. With few of our transfers going to P5 schools, was it poor evals by the previous staff, lack of development, or lack of player buy-in? Seems odd to have so few with scholarships at OU transfer out and have to go to lower-level schools. Thoughts? Uh, I mean, it's probably a little bit of both, right? I mean, there were a lot of bad evals. I'll go ahead and say it. Yeah, and I don't think that's a secret. There were a lot of bad evals by the former staff, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Yeah, I, I mean, they didn't appear to uh, prioritize defense that much if you look at the way they recruited too. So, 
Yeah, I would say there were some bad e- evals, but there's a little nuance. You know, uh, some situations are just uh, you can't pin it on just one thing. But, yeah, I would say there would be some bad evaluations. Uh, I, there was one guy in there who says, uh, Jimmy Harris, most accomplished, end of story. Jimmy Harris, for those of you uh, youngs out there who, don't like know, myself. who don't know uh, what us olds know, Jimmy Harris played for Bud Wilkinson at the University of Oklahoma. He was the starting quarterback during the 47-game winning streak. I think he played – uh, I think he played in the NFL mainly as a defensive back, if I remember. But Jimmy Harris, yes, undefeated quarterback for Bud back in the day. Never lost a game. Played during that stretch where they won 47 games in a row. So, yeah, I, it's hard to top Jimmy Harris, yes. And the Sooners also had, remember, Steve Davis was a two-time national champion, too. And I've always said, Steve Davis, underrated in OU history. And I remember the OU fans, kind of like the Twitter trolls, you never know what they're going to be up to. They finally lost a game to Kansas. I think Barry Switzer had won 28 in a row. Now, they did tie uh, USC in his second game in 1973, but Steve Davis had won 28 games or hadn't lost in 28 games. And they lost that game to Kansas 23-3, and he was booed by the OU fans. Okay, back to the text line here. These couple questions go hand-in-hand here. One listener asks, Parker, any info on possible players coming with Emmett Jones? And another says, hey, Steely and Parker, I was curious on your opinions of Tyrone Broden, the Bowling Green giant wide receiver that OU is currently pursuing. Any info on his recruitment? So here's what I will say now that the Emmett Jones hiring is, well, not official, but imminent, right? Um, Emmett is imminent. Very true. I would keep a close eye on Andrew Anthony, the Michigan wide receiver transfer, because I do think that – Hiring a guy like Emmett Jones and having an answer to your wide receiver coach quandary in a permanent sense, uh, based on some conversations I've had over the last 24 hours, I really think OU is alive and kicking in the race for Andrell Anthony, the transfer wide receiver out of Michigan. And I also don't think that – well, how do I phrase this? I think they're going to wait for an answer on Anthony before they loop back around with Tyrone Broden. Really? So Anthony prioritized over Broden. They would. Uh, what about the chance of getting both of them? Uh, well, my question is, do you need both of them? <sighs> and here's the thing: that people are very divided on that right now, uh, across the fan base. You have people that are saying, especially with Marvin Mims departing, you'll take all the wide receivers you can get. Load, load them up. Get two, three, maybe four. In the portal. And then you got other folks that are saying, well, just look at the room. Look at who they got coming back. Jaleel uh, Farouk, Drake Stoops, Nick Anderson, and Jaden Gibson. A couple of exciting young freshmen incoming in Jaquaze Petaway and Keon Brown. I'm very much of the opinion that you don't need to overload the wide receiver room because I think there are also a couple guys in there that people forget about in LV Bunkley Shelton and JJ Hester. Right. Uh, JJ Hester was sidelined for much of the year due to an ankle injury. So we really haven't had the chance to see what he can offer to this wide receiver room. And you also got DJ Graham switching back to wide receiver. Yeah, we keep conveniently forgetting about DJ Graham, who originally came to Oklahoma as a wide receiver. But uh, again, it is uh, an interesting situation there because I think people, when they look at Broden, they see 6'7, they see that great size. 
Uh, he would be the tallest wide receiver the Sooners would have on this roster. I, I don't know. How would he rank with the tallest wide receivers in OU history? I'm trying to think of one that might be 6'7 or bigger. But uh, And then I think with Andale Anthony, they say Michigan. What about J. Michael Sturdivant from Cal? We talked about him a little bit yesterday. What do you think's going on with J. Michael Sturdivant? It doesn't seem like he's going to end up at Oklahoma. I'll say that much. And here's what I will say. To loop back around to the previous question regarding players coming with Emmett Jones, there has been some buzz, and I I generally make it a point not to regurgitate stuff like this, but it's pertinent in response to the question. So I will reiterate it. I think part of the reason that maybe OU isn't pushing real hard for Tyrone Broden right now is because Emmett Jones has a very close relationship with Jaron Bradley of Texas Tech, whom many will remember uh, did some things against OU mm, yeah, in did. Lubbock this yeah, past fall. So, well, and the Sooners the, already have one Tech Portal guy on the defensive side of the ball and Reggie uh, Pearson Jr. who came through the portal to OU. Exactly. So here's what I'm saying. If you get Andrell Anthony, I, I, I will add this, Oklahoma's getting tight as far as the scholarship count. So you can only take so many guys in the portal. I think they have room for maybe three or four more players uh, with David Aguebu now in the portal. So if you get Andrell Anthony, part of the reason you might be holding off Tyrone Broden is because you're anticipating that when Emmett Jones makes the transition to Oklahoma, maybe just maybe Jaron Bradley hops in the portal and follows him. And Jaron Bradley and Tyrone Broden are two very similar receivers in terms of body type and skill set. You don't need two of those guys. There you go. There you go. Yes, in the Oklahoma game, Jaron Bradley had eight catches, 175 yards, averaged 21 and a half yards per reception, had a touchdown as well. So he had a big time game against Oklahoma. So there you go, Parker, uh, giving you another name to be thinking about. Possibly that could, underlying could, be coming to Oklahoma with Emmett Jones when that becomes official. So we shall see. All right, uh, we've got another minute. Do we want to get to a Doug and Norman text? Speaking of bad evals, especially as you refer to the previous staff, let's mention Nick Evers, the current staff's heralded quarterback. KREF hosts said that the 2022 class was saved by the recruitment of Evers. I don't recall ever saying that, but let, we'll, we'll affirm it. Was, it, for the it sake was a of good get. It was a good get. Doug asks, how did that work out? Well, uh, Doug, we'll never know, and you know why? Jackson, yeah, uh, Jackson, <laughs> JFA, <laughs> Jackson, freaking Arnold. Good oh man. man, I nearly lost my job, and I blew up yesterday, and now I'm. Wow. That oh, was, Steely's a, on one in 2023, that, That's folks. the closest, man. I thought I was going to have a heart attack, by the way, driving home yesterday. My heartbeat was fe- beating so I fast. thought I was going to have a heart attack about 10 seconds ago. Uh, Jackson freaking Arnold. That's why. Goodness gracious. I didn't say it, Drake. I said Jackson. F- <laughs> Jackson. F- <laughs> oh, my goodness. Jackson. The, f- the Arnold. Amount- the amount of laughter that's happening throughout the offices right now. I'm looking around. I can see folks through the window just cracking up at that I It was Jackson f- Arnold. There was no. <laughs> yeah, Doug, the point is we're never going to know how Nick Evers panned, would, would have panned out in an Oklahoma uniform because all Oklahoma did let's, was go and get arguably the best quarterback in the 2023 side. Let's see. Let's see. How that battle at Wisconsin shapes out or shakes out uh, with Tanner Mordecai and uh, Nick Evers. 
battling for the quarterback job there in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. All right, man, you got a crazy old man on your hands now. I'm I losing really my do, mind. Man. Man. And it's, How about you never that? know. Calendar I've, I've been unleashed. And it was... I've been unleashed. Yesterday, I thought I was going to have a heart attack. I was so mad on the way driving home because that guy was trying to tell us how to do our jobs. And we had literally done, literally done like 94% OU stuff yesterday. And then he mentioned my dad. Don't talk about your dad. I'm coming up on the two year anniversary of my dad passing. That made me explode. All right. So I said Jackson F Arnold. We'll be right back. Hopefully, I will be back as well. <laughs> Welcome back. Let's go to the replay booth, ladies and gentlemen. Jackson <laughs> Arnold. After further review, it was an incomplete F-bomb. <laughs> New segments. Credit Mark Steely's Desher. Steely's back on the air, folks. Credit Mark Desher, OU photo guy. He said, yeah, it was an incomplete F-bomb. He lives to pontificate another day. Somebody from the 918 I said, said, I feel like Steely is Michael Douglas and falling down now. That was He was a very angry man stuck in traffic and uh, went, went insane. So, yes, yesterday it happened a little bit, I must say. Here's the deal. When people listen to like two or three minutes of a segment and decide that we haven't talked to any OU sports for two hours, here's what I want them to do. You know, we've got a few uh, texters out there that think they're like this beacon of journalistic light that have delusions of grandeur, you know, that's they want it to be like the old days of Ted Baxter, well, allegedly, and never talk about anything besides OU sports. And the guy who said, don't talk about my dad, I wanted to punch that guy. Uh, I admit it. So, yes. But here's the deal. Can we set y'all two up in the octagon? Most of you are fine, 99.5%. But the others who think they can do this, bring us to the station. Bring us your journalism degree. All right? We'll compare it with mine and with Parker's. We will see if it's from an accredited institution. We will rubber stamp that degree. All right. Also, give us your resume for how many radio shows you've done. Yeah, right? you better also be able to handle sweltering temperatures because let me tell you, this in the studio, studio. Oh yeah, is it's boiling lava hot. I mean, they're trying to uh, they're trying to boil gonna, you right out of here. I'm going to show up in my South Dakota State cutoff tomorrow. Yeah. Rep the 2023 FCS National Champions. Now, again, Doug called me an embarrassment to journalism recently. Now, Doug is, you know, one of those guys a little bit who has the delusions of grandeur that he is the beacon of journalistic light. He's one of those people a little bit. I like Doug, all right? But he does. He's that guy. So the offer stands for Doug, too, to bring his diploma. We'll check that, and then we'll check the resume for how many radio shows that you've done. And then we'll take your journalistic opinion. Other than that, eh, it would be like me texting a financial guy and saying I'm some kind of financial whiz. Guess what? I'm not. Okay. All right. Uh, 405-651-3439. Is Steely the new Lee Corso? Well, I'm <laughs> headed in that direction. Definitely. Oh, also via the text line. You people really st st thought Steely was going to slip up. This man has been doing radio since before radio was a thing. <laughs> That's right. Way back. I did fireside chats with FDR, man. How does Steely dropping half an F-bomb negatively impact recruiting? Yes. So, 
There you uh, go. Oyumanji says, I've never laughed so hard in all my life listening to Steely almost fumbling his job. Yeah, that didn't happen. No, Steel Man, you need to show up at their work, not know anything about how they do it, and tell them how to do it. Another listener says, I've been a sports writer and editor for 30-plus years. Keep up the good work. Thank you, 918. Look, I'm not saying this is the greatest radio show ever. I think Parker is extremely good. You know, I'm limping home a little bit. I'm like the broken-down horse with about three races left. I get that. If I can make it like five more years, I promise you I will do this. If I start really losing my mind, I won't do it. I won't hang on. But I do like this job. And I do like the Ref Army. I'm just saying there are some people out there that try and tell you how to do your job. And that's fine. This is a subjective business. It's like art. You might look at a Picasso and think that is a total piece of junk. Some people see a masterpiece. Here, we try and put that masterpiece out there. Sometimes it works out. Sometimes it doesn't. All right. Yes, I said Jackson. Arnold. So... I'm still employed at the moment. But, yes, I am losing my mind. This listener says, Steel Man, you're safe. The K-Ref Army would riot without you. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. I do love the Ref Army. I do. Uh, Derek says, if the Bradley thing is a real possibility, referring to Jaron Bradley, the Texas Tech wide receiver, doesn't it have to happen very fast as the portal is closing Halo Sound? Isn't it the 19th that the portal closes, I believe? I... I'm not sure offhand. There are so many dates to keep track of with the portal. Eventually. I think the draft declaration date is the 16th, and then I think the portal date is either the 18th or the 19th. Yeah. uh, (laughs) We've uh, we've received several texts underscoring the fact that the moment you had last segment is far from the biggest slip that has ever happened on sports talk radio in this market. So, yeah. uh, From the 918. I am saying Steely is the best, in all caps. Everybody else, shut it. (laughs) All right. Chapstick says, hey, I'll come do a radio show. I've been on TV and radio. I'll do the radio show. He also says, yes, you'll be way better than me. Come on, Chapstick. Come on down. Uh, Maybe Steely could return to Wichita Falls if he gets the axe. Would you ever go back there? I spent four years there. I made some good friends there. But I I don't think I've been back to Wichita Falls but like one time. But my man Bill Jackson was my news director, and he's a big Sooner fan. Big time Sooner fan. Somebody said, thank God I have a dentist appointment today or I would have missed that gold from Steely. I said Jackson. Arnold. Upon further review, the call on the field was upheld. Steely's job is safe. Yes, yes. You know what? I don't think I've ever dropped an S-bomb or anything. I can't remember anything that I've dropped, you know, like that. It was pretty close. It was pretty close. Uh, Boomer Brady says, I don't know much about Emmett Jones. What notable wide receivers has he coached? So, as far as Emmett Jones' background is concerned – He played at Texas Tech and played at UTEP in the mid-90s. He was a high school coach in the Texas high school football ranks for 14 seasons, the last three of which were spent as the head coach at South Oak Cliff, which, of course, is a perennial powerhouse in the high school ranks in the Lone Star State. That was from 2012 to 2014. 2015, he joined the Texas Tech staff as their director of player development, then transitioned to wide receivers coach in 2016, spent three years in that role, 
then took a job on Kansas's staff in 2019 as their wide receivers coach, added the title of passing game coordinator in 2020, and then very briefly was Kansas's interim head coach after the firing of Les Miles. Now, Kansas quickly responded by hiring Oh, uh, yes, Lance I totally Leipold. forgot about that. Totally forgot about that. Yes. Now, obviously, Kansas hired Lance Leipold pretty expediently, and Jones went back to wide receiver coach and passing game coordinator, but stayed on staff at Kansas through 2021, and this past season, 2022, was his first season back at Texas Tech as a member of Joey McGuire's inaugural staff out there in Lubbock as wide receivers coach. There you go. Somebody was asking about uh, what do you think about the linebacking position right now? And, uh, well, obviously you look at Danny Stutzman, you look at what Jaron Kanick yeah. and uh, Deshaun McCullough. Uh, I, I, there is maybe a 5% chance, barring injury, that your starting linebacker core next fall consists of anybody but Danny Stutzman, Deshaun McCullough, and Jaron Kanick. That's who it's going to be. They believe in Jaron Kanick. Mm-hmm. And it's hard not to when you've watched him play. And I, Look, I'm very much of the opinion that he should have played a lot more than he did this past season. Yeah. But they think his ceiling is off the charts. They think he can be a Butkus Award type player. And there is not a doubt in my mind or in many folks' mind that he is going to be firmly penciled into the lineup as a starter next fall. Steely almost had to come back from break to announce a home run from Nick Castellanos. <laughs> Excellent work there. Imagine, hey, that would have been a bad slip-up, but it wouldn't have been like a slur or anything. You know what I'm saying? Which I would never – that you never have to worry about with me. Maybe, you know. But I did say Jackson. <laughs> Arnold, it was very close to that. Uh, next year, nasty, suffocating, time to hunt. Says one listener of the defense. The Kirby Smart approach. Um, what else? Oh, what else? What else? We had one more text I wanted to get to. Parker, I heard you say earlier that you would not be surprised to see Jaden Davis transfer and for Jordan Kelly to stay at OU. What do you expect Marcus Stripling to do? Well, I know Marcus Stripling really likes Miguel Chavis, and he was one of those guys that, much like Jaden Davis, had both feet out the door at the end of the 2021 campaign, and it was – the arrival of the new staff that kept him around. I don't know where Marcus Stripling can go at this point. He's one of those dudes where, yeah, he's had moments, but with the tape that he has, or rather doesn't have, and with the snap count that he accrued at Oklahoma over the last couple of seasons, I don't know whether that guy is going to have an opportunity to go somewhere in 2023 via the portal where his performance would do a whole heck of a lot towards sending his NFL draft stock soaring. By the way, somebody asking uh, Jaron Bradley, the uh, wide receiver at Texas Tech, we were talking about um, you know Tyrone Broden being 6'7". Jaron Bradley, 6'5", 215 pounds. Big target. Big target and the leading receiver as a, a freshman for Tech last year. All right, break time right here. Thank you, everybody, for the text today. I'm going to be fine. Wait, wait. Here comes management. Not good. Oh, it looks like it looks like they have some a set of papers. I might have to sign. They're not pink, are they? I hope not. We'll find out. The old man might be put out to pasture soon anyway. All right, 405-651-3439, Air Coverage Solutions text line. Heading back to your text when we get back here on The Ref.
We are back, ladies and gentlemen. Good to have you with us. 405-651-3439. That's 405-651-3439. Been an interesting day. Very interesting. That it has. Yes, it has. By the way, I want to tell you about Riverwind first because if you are uh, a player out there at Riverwind, many of you are that listen to this show, make sure you get out and play with your wild card. All right? And play with it on the specific gaming machines that you see out there that say showdown in the desert. Why? Because if you get in the top five point getters in that promotion, guess what? You're going to win one of five trips to the Super Bowl. Paid for. It's all inclusive from our friends at Riverwind Casino. Game tickets, airfare, ground transportation, spending money, everything you need. Everything. Right there at Riverwind. All you have to do is play on the specific gaming machines, and you will have a great chance to win one of those five trips to the Super Bowl in the showdown in the desert promotion. Riverwind Casino, over 2,800 electronic games, all your favorite table games. Great poker room as well, best bars and dining. New member seven promotion, new patrons who sign up for a wild card can earn up to $450 in one day. Renovations, they are getting close to getting it. those completes. And I am hearing Earth, Wind, and Fire to be the first show out uh, at the Showplace Theater. They've been having, uh, you know, renovations going on for a while now, improving everything. And once again, um, some great concerts are on the way. And, of course, that's not even talking about the Beats and Bites Festival, which will be coming back. It won't be too long before those shows are back. So thank you to our friends at Riverwind Casino, Simply the Best. I got the text. Appreciate the service. Thank you. You did call me an embarrassment to journalism. And but I do appreciate the service very much. That's awesome. Thank you. Okay, uh, what do we want to do? You want to get some more texts in? Well, we can go back to the text line and see what the folks are saying. I mean, you just addressed one of the texts right there uh, from the nine oh nine. What's up with this? Says one listener. It's a photo of C.J. Williams, former USC wide receiver who's now in the transfer portal, wearing OU shorts. What? That's just a, it's a picture really? from high school. Oh, OU, okay. is, OU is not seriously involved with C.J. Williams as far as I'm aware. Um, <laughs> I'm not going to read that text, but it's funny. Which one? The top from the, one? Yes, from the yeah. 918. Well done. We've gotten a lot of texts in that vein over the last few minutes. Hey, um, somebody asked, would Brent take a player from Tech? Well, I, we're not talking Dabo Sweeney and Joey McGuire. It's a big difference there, Right. If the kid wants to come with his wide receivers coach, then I think Brent would say, let's do it, right? Yeah, the question is, would Emmett Jones take players from his alma mater? Yes, that's probably the bigger question, depending on how much loyalty he has to Joey McGuire, who, by the way, everybody seems to like Joey McGuire quite a bit. But And the receiver that Parker brought up was Jaron Bradley, who had a great freshman season, had a big game against Oklahoma. He's 6'5", 215 pounds out of Frisco, Texas. And uh, we'll just have to wait and see. And you think that's maybe why we haven't heard anything yet on the Tyrone Broden front, the six seven kid from Bowling Green, because maybe they're playing a waiting game a yeah, little you, bit. Yeah, you and, already got a and lot and of Andale, Andale Anthony from Michigan too. Yeah, you already got a lot of towers in that receiving core as it is with guys like Jaden Gibson, Nick Anderson, even JJ Hester for that matter. So you add another one, 
in Jaron Bradley, if that is indeed what happens, you don't really have a need anymore for somebody like Tyrone Broden. So, listen, we're not saying that happens. We're just tossing that out there because there's been some buzz that it might be a possibility that you see Jaron Bradley pop in the portal. And if he does end up in the portal, I think it would be pretty evident where he's headed. So, we'll keep tabs on that. Uh, Back to the text line. Are we ever going to get a QB coach at OU? Don't we need someone that's played QB at a high level? I, 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 has quarterback been an issue for Oklahoma at all over the last quarter century, Steely, with the exception of the Trevor Knight, Blake Bell, Cody Thomas wandering in the wilderness years, 2013 and 2014? Uh, not, not really. Not really. Um, you know, I'm trying to think um, – well, Muleshoe walked on at Tech, right? It was Dana Holgerson said, this guy can't play. And they made him a grad assistant. And he's done pretty well grabbing onto that opportunity. He's a great offensive mind, there's no doubt. Yeah, look, there, there are a lot of things that Oklahoma could feasibly improve on within their program. Quarterback development is pretty low down the list for me. Because the quarterback play that Oklahoma has had over the last 20 years, you could argue it's been better than any other program in the country. Yeah. Consider that when Kyler Murray won the Davey O'Brien Award in 2018, that award had been handed out for something like 20 years. Kyler Murray was the fifth Oklahoma quarterback to win that award. The SEC, to that point, had had four total players win the award as a conference. That's how good the quarterback play has been at Oklahoma. Mike from Ardmore. Steely, somebody says you're an embarrassment to journalism. Remember, you're not a journalist. I said the other day, I haven't done journalism in a long time. It's a different ballgame now. We try and put an informative, entertaining show together. That's it. I'm not doing interviews. You know, at OU Games or anything. So, yes, I don't do a lot of journalism. Thank you, Mike from Ardmore. All right, we got to get out of here for hour number one. Thank you to everybody on the text line. We'll talk Sooners Kansas as well here from Porter Moser and Jalen Hill coming up. Stay with us on the ref. Cannot wait for the Jackson Arnold era to begin, ladies and gentlemen. How about you? Got another year of Dylan Gabriel, but hey. Welcome back, hour number two. Thank you to the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley, exit 72. Great deals on cars, trucks, SUVs, pre-owned vehicles, tremendous guarantee. You can feel good about your purchase because Seth Wadley's guarantee, oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. All right, Sooner basketball in action tonight, and they will be playing at the Fog this evening against the Kansas Jayhawks. Oklahoma, of course, uh, coming off a win in Lubbock over the weekend, and they got KU tonight at Allen Fieldhouse. Sooners haven't won there since 1993, 8 o'clock on ESPN2 tonight. Uh, Kansas number two in both the uh, AP and the coaches poll, 14-1 and one of the year. The Houston Cougars, Kelvin Sampson and company, back atop uh, the rankings uh, this week. So Kelvin's done an unbelievable job there. Un. Real. All right, let's hear from Porter Moser and Jalen Hill. Here is Porter Moser talking about the challenges for the Sooners, the biggest ones for OU playing at Allen Fieldhouse tonight. You played in gyms that are packed, but sometimes it's, you don't have eighteen to 20,000 packed. 
Um, then they get it going and they, they're right on top of you. They're really loud. The only thing we're really talking about is communicating because, like, the same thing at tech. There were times where, you know, I could be talking to you this far away and you couldn't really hear my voice. So you've got to be – communication is key on these environments that, you know, if you're switching, that you're yelling out a switch. If a ball screen coverage, that defensively, you've really got to err on the loud side. You've got to really overdo it. And the other thing we talked about was when that crowd gets going – Follow it with good possessions. The crowd's trying to get you to speed up and have a turnover, to speed up and take a bad shot. When, you, when, that, when those bad shots flow and bad possessions flow when the crowd's going, it even goes up another decibel. So they're going to have – there's going to be points in the game, the crowd's going to be going crazy. All right? That's when we – what we talked to them was about, that's when you need a great possession. Not just come down and have a horrible possession, be soft with the ball. So if you you, you really got to get locked in on those good possessions when that crowd gets loud, because it is, it's 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 just massive. How how many people are there, and then the the decibel levels. There you go, Porter Moser talking about the challenge of uh, playing in Allen Fieldhouse. Not only dealing with like Jalen Wilson and Grady Dick, who's been a great freshman, Kevin McCuller. Uh, this is a very talented Kansas squad. And again, defending national champion. Let's hear from Jalen Hill, who was tremendous, by the way, uh, throughout the game, particularly in overtime at eight points in the victory at Tech over the weekend. Jalen Hill, looking forward to playing at the Fog tonight. It's a fun place to play. I think we all know. We everybody knows that it's probably one of the loudest places anybody will ever play because it's so. It's not a huge place to play, but it's it's small and the fans are rowdy, and they. Man, it's just a great place to play. Really, that's it. It's just loud. I think we can go to any place, not just Kansas to win. But um, if we can get this done in Kansas, I think it's to give us confidence that we can go beat any team in the country, anywhere, anytime, because I think we're, we're that good. We're a good enough team to compete for a national championship, in, in my opinion. Oh, hello. Well, how about that? Probably a little bit far-fetched, but you got to appreciate the belief there, right? So 8 o'clock tonight, ESPN2, Oklahoma, and the Jayhawks. Those are our ortho central clips of the day. Here on uh, Steel Man and Thune at noon, Ortho Central with clinics in Norman, Midwest City. Now a brand-new Tri-City location serving Newcastle, Tuttle, and Blanchard. These full-service clinics treat orthopedic and sports medicine injuries. All right, uh, let's talk about what's been going on today. New wide receivers coach at the University of Oklahoma. Not made official yet, but it's going to happen. Emmett Jones coming in from Texas Tech. Fill us in on Emmett Jones. Emmett Jones, your new – well, it's not official yet, but it is imminent. The hiring of Emmett is imminent at the University of Oklahoma to be the new permanent wide receivers coach for the Sooners. Uh, this is a guy that has extensive credentials as a high school coach in the Lone Star State, was an assistant and later a head coach on the Texas high school scene for 14 years. Joined Texas Tech staff as director of player development in 2015. Spent three years as wide receivers coach there from 2016 to 2018. From 2019 to 2021, he was the wide receivers coach at Kansas. And then this past year in 2022, he returned to Tech to serve on Joey McGuire's staff as receivers coach out there. Now, it has been reported by Rivals staff writer Justin Apodaca that it is expected that Emmett Jones will attempt to take Texas Tech redshirt freshman wide receiver Jared Bradley with him to Oklahoma. So that's mm-hmm. out there in the public eye for what it's worth. And we talked about Jaron Bradley, Frisco, Texas. Uh, again, redshirt freshman, as you said, 
Marvin Mims was a Frisco guy, right? Marvin Mims, yeah, Frisco yeah. Lone Star. Yeah, and uh, also he had a great game. Uh, Jaron Bradley against Oklahoma was their leading wide receiver, 6'5", 215. Uh, so he's a – you know, people were talking about Tyrone Broden again, the Bowling Green uh, prospect who's out there for Oklahoma. He's 6'7", but Bradley again is a 6'5 target. And what's up with Andel Anthony, the Michigan portal target? So, Andrell Anthony is a guy that Oklahoma has been pursuing. They hosted him on a visit. And right now, it would seem that among current portal targets, Andrell Anthony is the guy that they have prioritized the most heavily. So, I think OU will wait for an answer from Andrell Anthony before they loop back around with the likes of Tyrone Broden or try to mount a legit push for J. Michael Sturdivant, although it has kind of seemed from the outset as though J. Michael Sturdivant was going to end up at either UCLA or Tennessee. Wouldn't shock me if USC gets in the mix as well because that's the staff that recruited him to OU initially, Lincoln Riley and Dennis Simmons. By the way, fun news out of SoCal this afternoon. Muleshoe has confirmed that Alex Grinch will be retained as defensive coordinator. Good news. Let's go. I like it. That means running backs are going to be running through arm tackling turnstiles again uh, in big games against SC. So, another 11 and 2 season and a New Year's Six Bowl loss on tap for USC. We need to get Cam Rising on the show here so we can talk about the two victories. I'm sure we could make that happen, Steely. <laughs> you think so? Yeah, like, yeah, let's get in touch with Utah's SIDs. OFU, baby. OFU, Oklahomans for Utah. That's what we're talking about right here. That's what we're talking about. Okay, uh, Walter Rouse, the O-lineman from Stanford. So that's an interesting situation. Uh, 24 hours ago, it seemed like a battle between OU and Iowa. Now, I know that Rouse intends to have a decision no later than tomorrow. So... We're getting down to crunch time here. But Nebraska has entered the mix in a big way. I would say probably last night into this morning, Nebraska has mounted a real push, and NIL is driving that. So the question becomes, is OU going to, and are they willing to fight the battle on the financial front to land another elite offensive line transfer? In Walter Rouse. Now, maybe the kid, maybe it doesn't come down to the bag for a kid like that. And he's a Stanford grad, so obviously he knows what's up. He's plenty smart. But if you have a sizable NIL offer to go to a place like Nebraska and a not quite as sizable offer to go to a place like Oklahoma, at what point – where – which of those hairs are you going to split? You know, how are you going to end up siding with the program that hasn't been to a bowl game in six seasons, but that you can make a little bit more money at? Or are you going to side with the program that should be much improved in 2023? That's the expectation. Should be right back in contention for a conference title, but maybe doesn't have as much money on the table for you. So it's the classic battle of money versus opportunity. The uh, What's going on with the Jake Roberts kid, the uh, tight end from uh, North Texas? Committed to Baylor. He committed to Baylor? Yep. When did that happen? Done How deal. did I miss that? Yesterday afternoon. Uh, I must have been Yeah, and we talked about it yesterday. Ba- Baylor led at that point. 
We came on the air. We talked about the fact that Baylor was looking like the most likely destination for Jake Roberts. Uh, to be honest, don't really feel like OU really wanted him for him. Felt like that offer was maybe more of a leverage play to increase their odds of getting his younger brother, Nate Roberts, the 2025 tight end. Uh, OU did kind of drag their feet in offering Jake Roberts. It took about a week, week and a half after he entered the portal for OU to extend the offer. And uh, by that point, it was too little too late. All right, from the 580, are you implying that Nebraska NIL is more lucrative than Oklahoma NIL? If so, that's embarrassing. Uh, maybe you have to be selective with your NIL dollars, yeah, it, right? I mean, it's not just about having the money. It's about the willingness to spend the money, right? Lots of programs have mm-hmm. money, but there there are certain programs, i.e. Texas A&M and Miami, who are much more willing to dole out large wads of cash to prospective student-athletes. Ramrod Sooner says elite is a very bold term to describe Rouse. I, I I didn't mean that in the sense that across college football, he's an elite offensive tackle. I'm talking about when you look at the options available in the portal at that position, Rouse is one of the better ones you're going to find. Top tier. Uh, can you speak to who will be taking over for David Yu? I'm assuming that is in reference to David Aguebu. Mm-hmm. Expect that to be Jaron Kanick. Yeah, we're so we're thinking Canick, Stutzman, Deshaun McCullough, right? That would be my best guess. And when you talk about the cheetah position, it looks like it's built for Deshaun McCullough. And that is a chance. I mean, talent wise, Stutzman obviously I think the the talent is there, the no doubt, and he's a hard nosed kid, no no question. Makes a lot of plays. But he's also got to again make progress in the system. You know, the details were very important. We we all heard what he said, you know, in the podcast in the Prairie, I think it was, about, you know, details and everything. That was probably blown out of proportion. But he's got the talent. We know that Jaron Kanick is a freak in terms of natural ability. And um, I, I would expect he would be a, a quicker study now that he'll have another spring, uh, you know, with this defense. And Deshaun McCullough has a chance to be the Sooners' best defensive player, period. You know, and that includes Billy Bowman and everybody else in the roster. Uh, where's the most likely landing spot for LaDamian Washington? Asks one listener on the Air Comfort Solutions text line. There has been buzz for several days now that he may end up the new wide receivers coach at Western Kentucky. So that would be my well, expectation now as to where he lands. But I do know this. Oklahoma's going to try to keep him on staff in an off-field role. Are they They're really? They're going to try to keep him okay. on staff. Yes. I heard some information maybe that he wouldn't be back or wouldn't be interested, but you bet better sourcing than I do. So we'll see. But yeah, keep yeah. in mind, here's the deal. LaDamian Washington, no matter where he ends up, got a year as the wide receivers coach at a Power 5 program with one of the best reputations in college football. I know it was a down year, but that's that's a heck of an opportunity for him, created obviously by the, the Kale Gundy situation, which still makes me sad. You know, every time I think about that, I'm just like, man, that was just – that sucks. That's the the best way I can put that. Uh, because Kale is a – Kale's a, a good Sooner and will always be thought of as a good Sooner. No doubt about it. All right, break time right here. 405-651-3439 on the Air Coverage Solutions text line. Sooner Hoops tonight, 8 o'clock, ESPN2, Oklahoma, and the Kansas Jayhawks. 
We'll talk a little more Sooner football coming up. What else are we going to do? Stay here on The Ref. We are back. Mike Steely, Parker Thune. you got a crazy old man and a young guy right here from noon to two. I mean, really crazy old man. Last couple days, geez. I need to go see a neurologist, I think. But, of course, it takes you about a year in to get to see one. My wife's trying to get in to see one. Yeah, we can get you an appointment in June. Oh, thanks. Let's hope nothing bad happens between now and June. Jeez. Okay, 405-651-3439. 405 651 3439 From Twitter. Twitter DM. Oh, boy. It's a Twitter DM. No, it's a good one. Okay. Steely, who else besides Terry Evans was on that OU team that won at the Fog? Well, you had uh, Jeff Webster. Uh, out of Carl Albert, who was, I believe Jeff Webster was a McDonald's All-American, if I'm not mistaken. But Terry Evans had the big night. You had Bryant Van, you know, Skyler's playing for the uh, the OU women, obviously. Uh, you had Angelo Hamilton. You had um, a young Ryan Miner, who was a freshman that year, I believe. And then you had uh, – Pete Lewis was one of the other guys. Brian Salier. Although I think that, if I remember correctly, Brian Salier missed that game for an injury or something but didn't play because that was a big talking point. You know, what's Oklahoma going to do without Brian Salier in this game? Uh, but Terry Evans had a big night, and the Sooners won, and that's what I remember about that roster. Evans, I remember Jeff Webster, uh, Pete Lewis, Angelo Hamilton, a young Ryan Miner. Brian Van and uh, Brian Salier. So there you go. And uh, there's probably a big name that I'm leaving out that I can't remember. Okay, uh, 405-651-3439 of the Air Comfort Solutions text line. You want to get back to the text line? Yeah, somebody asked, what happened to the kid from Poto, or is he 2024? You're referring to Dax Collins, and yes, he is a 2024 prospect. So nothing has happened there. He remains a guy that is a potential offer for Oklahoma. Nothing across yet. He picked up his first Power 5 offer from Colorado shortly before Deion Sanders got there. So uh, having seen him in person, that's a kid that can play some ball, man. Really good football. How about 580 Nates? Sometimes, you know, you read something like this and it really hits home. The original Jurassic Park was the number one movie the last time the Sooners won at Kansas, February of 1993. Uh, By the way, what's going on in the 2024 class? When's Michael Hawkins' announcement? Uh, January 31st. So that's not too far away. And you expect that to be Oklahoma, right? I do. Competition for Michael Hawkins. Biggest competition would be what school? Biggest competition is still Arkansas, and to me, this is an OU Arkansas battle, and it has been this way for a long, long time. And uh, Mike is a super smart kid, understands what's going to suit him well at the next level, and the offense that Jeff Lebby and Kendall Bryles run—it's very similar to the offense that Mike runs or has run historically at Allen, uh, and it makes a lot of sense because Lebby and Bryles are brothers-in-law. Right, come from the same coaching tree. There's a lot of parallels there. And so the fit at Oklahoma and Arkansas just so happens to be hand in glove in Michael's eyes. And 
I think it's kind of the perfect storm for Oklahoma because not only is the fit there with Jeff Levy, but uh, kid's a legacy, obviously, has grown up an Oklahoma fan. That's the one offer he's always wanted. I, I'm honestly kind of surprised it's taken him this long to pull the trigger just because that's how badly he's always wanted to be a Sooner, but I expect he will be at there the end go. of this month. So are you expecting him to be the first guy out? Yeah, I, I do, and I think the one scenario that that all could go sideways is maybe you know it comes down to time to make a decision and – Michael realizes that, well, shoot, Jackson Arnold's at Oklahoma now. I'm not going to see the field for at least two years at OU because I'm going to be sitting behind that guy. Maybe I want to go somewhere. Despite my love for OU, maybe I want to look somewhere where I have a bit more of an expedited path to playing time. I think it's in Michael's best interest to take a year or two uh, because I do think there's going to be some adjustment that needs to happen from the high school level to the collegiate level, I don't think he's necessarily as ready for that level of competition as somebody like Jackson Arnold for a variety of reasons. And he will be in time. He certainly will be. I think the world of the kid, he's got a very high ceiling athletically, tremendously gifted as a runner. And I think once he develops a bit more mechanical consistency and accuracy as a thrower, he's going to be a dynamo. So if Oklahoma can get that kid locked down on January 31st, it's going to kickstart what I expect to be a really good 2024 class for OU that should also feature several early commits. And we've thrown some names out there. I think Aaron Flowers could be a guy that is a sooner sooner rather than later. Uh, Casey Poe's another guy that Oklahoma's been trending heavily for uh, in recent months. Bryant Wesco has a sister that plays soccer at Oklahoma, so the four-star wide receiver out of Midlothian. Another guy that I would imagine OU's going to press for. And then depending on how much control Emmett Jones has over his offers at the wide receiver position, I'm going to continue to say this kid's name because it's the biggest layup in the 2024 class for OU. If Emmett Jones and the Oklahoma staff end up offering Parker Livingston out of Lovejoy High School, who is easily one of the top five players I watched in person this past fall, uh, he will be a member of this class expediently. There you go. By the way, uh, somebody on Zane says D'Angelo, I believe. No, I think you're thinking about D'Angelo Alexander. It was definitely Angelo Hamilton. What about Damian Patterson? Was he on that team? Damian Patterson out of uh, Kalamazoo, Michigan, if my mind's telling me right. I don't, th- I don't think Damian Patterson was on that roster. I don't think so um, on that team that went to the fog and won. All right, uh, 405-651-3439. we got time for a couple more texts, don't we? Who are the top five high school recruits in the state of Oklahoma in 2024? Well, the account David Stone as an Oklahoma kid at this point, because if so, David Stone obviously tops the list. Zadavian Sims, four-star defensive lineman out of Durant, Oklahoma. you got Danny Okoye, edge rusher out of Tulsa Noah, the uh, homeschool uh, co-op that's up there. Uh, beyond that, I, I would say Dax Collins is on the list, and I think you got to look at Xavier Robinson at Carl Albert as well. Uh, those five, all very gifted football players, and all of them have Power 5 offers to date. So it's a bit of a skinnier class in 2024 across the OK Preps ranks in terms of elite P5-level talent, but those, those five guys just off the top of my head certainly have what it takes. 
There you go. All right. Uh, Grinch is staying at USC from the 405. Yes, we talked about that. Yes, Alex Grinch staying at Southern Cal. That's that's good news. Really good news. All right, 405-651-3439. Mike Steely along with Parker Thune, Steelman and Thune at noon, well into the 1 o'clock hour. Had some good texts rolling in today. We appreciate that. Yeah, Damon Patterson. Uh, from the 405 wasn't on that team. I didn't think he was. Kenneth Conley. All right, there's a name that I left off that I forgot about that was on that squad. It's been nearly 30 years, February of uh, 1993, the last time the Sooners won at the Fog. Big game from former Sooner great Terry Evans. Man, Billy Ball was something else. If If I could turn back time, like that song, I'd go back to Billy Ball. It was fun. Stay with us, ladies and gentlemen. We will take a quick break, come right back to the text line, more Sooner football and some hoops to throw in as well next. Back with you, Mike Steely, Parker Thune. Good to have you with us. Steely, you said that OU was quicker to recruit the African-American athletes in football before Texas. Who is the first Texas African-American recruits i'm wondering i'm thinking it might have been i'm not sure but i'm thinking it might have been uh, roosevelt leaks but i'd have to go ahead and google it up but uh barry switzer man he uh he was recruiting whiz as well one of the things though that i i think that needs to be said about barry switzer that isn't said enough because you know the reputation is Switzer was loosey goosey, had a you know great personality, uh, but his teams, man, they were disciplined. Yeah, they fumbled the ball some, and that cost them in some big games. Running the wishbone, that was going to happen. But Barry Switzer was a big time offensive mind and a heck of a football coach. You know, it's not just the personality, and you know, hell, Oklahoma invented football. You know, championship football. Uh, there are a lot, of great, a lot of great things to admire about Barry Switzer, and one of those is he was a heck of an offensive mind. He, to me, refined the wishbone. Emery Ballard may have uh, come up with the concept and everything, but Barry Switzer refined it and put great athletes in that system, and it was fun to watch. Awesome. There you go. All right, 405-651-3439. What are we thinking on the David Stone front again? Somebody was asking, is that going to be a long, drawn-out process like DJ Hicks? I, I'm conflicted because, to me, there are some parallels to the Peyton Bowen recruitment. I, I, I just gave everybody flashbacks when I said those words. I understand that. But... Like, in the end, the Peyton Bowen situation worked out for Oklahoma, right. for one thing. Secondly, here's here's what I mean by that. As far as David Stone is concerned, I think the kid wants to be at Oklahoma. And it's pretty much always been that way. And I think if it were entirely up to him, that decision would honestly have been made some time ago. But there are people in his camp that have their sights set elsewhere. NIL shopping, maybe? I didn't say that. I also did not say that. Um, I also believe that if it comes down to NIL, Oklahoma's going to do what it takes to get that kid in the boat. Because if you lose that kid, 
for one reason or another. If he goes out of state, if he goes to a Michigan state or an Alabama, the optics are terrible, Steely. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter why or how he goes elsewhere. If he goes elsewhere, those optics are bad. No so, doubt. And he's the 2024 kid from Dell City, went out to IMG Academy, right? And uh, Number two defensive lineman in the nation. He is, you know, basically in the same boat that DJ Hicks was in for Oklahoma last year. And, uh, you know, it kind of felt like I know initially a lot of Oklahoma fans were thinking, you know, right off the bat, Stacey Gage and David Stone to start the 2024 class. What would you put the percentage chance at right now? And it's still so early that Oklahoma lands Stacy Gage and David Stone. About twenty five percent. It's funny. We we say it's so early and it still feels so early, but no, it's about that time. Like the twenty twenty four cycle is upon us. Uh I think there's a seventy percent chance Oklahoma ends up with David Stone. I think there's a forty percent chance they end up with Stacy Gage. Stacy Gage looks like he's a Florida Gator, would you say? If I had to put money down, yeah. Or an Ohio State Buckeye. One of the two. Mm, okay. There you go. All right. Let's get back to the Air Coverage Solutions text line, 405-651-3439. Uh, oh, boy. I'm not going to read that text. That'll just get me angry. Uh, Sean Bradley was the number two overall pick in the NBA draft the last time the Sooners won in Kansas at the Fog. Sean Bradley. He was he was seven six, wasn't he? Like, he was the only guy that mm-hmm. in the NBA that was yep. taller than Yao Ming for a minute there. Uh, Zane says, sorry, but have to correct you, Steely. Last time Oklahoma won at the Fog was today. See what I did there? There you go. He's speaking it into existence. Go for it. I'm all for it. Again, I will believe it when I see it. Because this Oklahoma team has come so close, especially in recent years. I don't know how they lost that Buddy Heald game. I have no idea That may That may very well have been the best college basketball game I've ever seen. It was fantastic, man fantastic any word on where michael hawkins is transferring to yeah he's no longer going to be at allen uh the most credible intel i have suggests that he's going to enroll at frisco emerson which is a brand new school only been around since the fall of 2021 uh that's not for sure that's not confirmed i was just texting back and forth uh with michael about it a couple nights ago and uh, he doesn't know yet I also don't figure that that decision is going to be entirely up to him because we're still talking about a high school kid here. And his parents are going to have a say in the decision, as they should. We're not talking about a kid committing to and enrolling at college where they're going to be a full-fledged adult. No, this is uh, a situation where the parents are going to be heavily, heavily involved in wherever the decision as to wherever their son ends up playing his final year of college football. Or, excuse me, high school football. Uh, Let's see what else. What happened to the run-and-gun basketball of Billy Ball and Loyola Marymount? Why did it go away? I don't know. That's a good question, man. I love those LMU teams, Hank Gathers and uh, Bo Kimball. And, of course, we had uh, the tragedy that that ended Hank Gathers' life way too early. But, man, that was fun stuff back in the day. You know, I'll tell you who's playing some run-and-gun up-tempo basketball. Jerome Tang at Kansas State. It's about time they ranked that team. That's a really good. Are they not ranked? They finally got up to number 11, I think, this week. Okay, thank the Lord. That's a good basketball team. Yeah, I mean, they have been unbelievable. And Jerome Tang is a good coach. He's doing a great job. Good coach. 
Uh, a lot of times you have to play five on six at Allen Fieldhouse. Five blue jerseys and a striped one, says one listener. Yeah, no doubt. And asked Oklahoma State fans about that, man. They had a great chance to win there recently and uh, didn't get many breaks from the officiating crew there. Uh, all right, so somebody was bringing up Sean Bradley, 1993. Chris Weber was the number one pick in that draft. Uh, you had Penny Hardaway third to Memphis. You had Javon Mashburn of Kentucky fourth to um, Dallas, and then you had J.R. Ryder, fifth, to the Minnesota Timberwolves in that draft. But, yeah, Sean Bradley. I remember the debate was, Sean Bradley or Chris Webber? And it's like, seriously, that's a debate. Sean Bradley made pretty much zero impact in the NBA. Chris Webber was a perennial all-star. Okay. Sean Bradley was tall. He was. It was fun to watch because he was tall. It's like, oh, there's a bunch of regular-sized humans, well, regular-sized by NBA standards, running around on the court, and there's the one guy that's two heads taller than everybody else. Uh, <laughs> they lost the buddy game because Kadeem Latin couldn't make a charity He's shot. He's right, yeah. Oh, man, don't remind me. Kadeem Latin could not shoot or score or do anything offensively. Paul uh, Westhead, the guru of Go, says Shark. Yeah, that's one of the best 30 for 30s out there. Um, what did OU, who was the team they almost scored 100 and a half against? Was it U.S. International, I believe? The Gulls? They used to be just the, the Gulls of U.S. International. And I think Billy had, him, <laughs> Billy had him jacking up threes to try and score 100 and a half. And, uh, I remember uh, when OU played Sedinary back in the day, the coach at Sedinary, they asked him about Billy and, you know, and his great teams and, you know, has a, has a reputation for running up the score. And the guy, I can't remember who was the coach at that time, but he said, well, the problem is Billy's not going to have any fishing buddies when he gets older. And they asked Billy about that comment in the post game. What do you think? The, the coach at Sedinary said, you're not going to have any fishing buddies when you get older because you like to, you know, run up the score. And Billy said, I don't fish. <laughs> Very simple. That away, Billy. Billy was the best. Uh, somebody asked, why is Ugandan transferring? I'm referring, that's an autocorrect. I'm assuming that's an autocorrect referring to David Aguebu. Aguebu really shouldn't have, ne- should have never been that difficult to pronounce, right? I mean, if you spell it out phonetically, it's very easy. U-H-A-G-W-A. A-Y, Gway, and then the scary boo at the end. A Gway boo. But nobody does that. Why? The only memory I have of Sean Bradley is Tracy McGrady putting him on, on a poster, says mm-hmm. one listener. Brian yeah. Tulsa asks, could Andrew Anthony be that deep threat replacement for Marvin Mims? Yeah, he could if you get him on board. And that's, I think, what everybody's waiting on. Everybody's kind of waiting on an update from Andrew Anthony and Walter Rouse. Those two seem to be coming close to decisions here. Um, then you have Jaron Bradley, and we already have a cryptic emoji tweet from Jaron Bradley. Really? So, what is it? If you if you're one to read into cryptic emoji tweets, it was like it's it's one of those new emojis where it's the smiley face that's melting. Hmm. Very interesting. So that was that was the cryptic tweet from Jaron Bradley. So clearly, Steely, he's going to be in Oklahoma sooner. Yeah, it's the only logical explanation. From the five eight zero said, uh, 
97 and a half, 173 total. And that was against U.S. International, right? 580. Am I right on that? I think it was U.S. International back in the day. All right. Why don't we break right here? We've got one more segment to go. Thanks to our friends at the Seth Wadley Auto Group in Paul's Valley. Great deals, cars, trucks, SUVs. You're looking for a pre-owned vehicle. They've got a great selection there and a great guarantee. Oil changes, engines for life on newer used gas or diesel at no additional cost to you. Coming right back here on the home of Sooner fans, the ref. Our friends at Riverwind Casino, we love the folks out at Riverwind. They sponsor our hotline, 405-329-9000. They've also got a great promotion happening, and you need to get out and play with your wild card. You have until Friday. It is the Showdown in the Desert promotion where they're giving away five trips to the Super Bowl. Play on specific electronic gaming machines out at Riverwind up until January 13th. And if you're in the top five of the point accumulators, if you're in the top five with the most points, you will be awarded a trip to the Super Bowl out in the Phoenix area. Uh, This trip includes, well, your game tickets, your airfare, hotel, ground transportation, uh, plus $1,000 in cash for each winner. Get out there, play with your wild card, look for the showdown in the desert uh, signage around all these gaming machines. They also have stickers on those uh, gaming machines you need to be playing on. The folks at Riverwind will also point them out to you. You should be able to see them pretty easily. But if, in case you don't, just ask one of the friendly staff out there at Riverwind. They'll point you in the right direction. So get out there, play with your wild card, get as many points as you can, and you could be one of five lucky patrons going to see the Super Bowl, courtesy of our friends at Riverwind Casino. Another reason why Riverwind is simply the best. All right, should we close out with some more texts today? Why don't we do it? Air Comfort Solutions text line. Uh, Michael freaking Steely, the best journalist that no longer does journalism. <laughs> That's right. Well, thank you very much. Uh, one listener <laughs> says, probably biggest mistake ever, letting Billy get away and not replacing him with a similar style of play. Yeah, yeah I mean, like, they went to the Final Four under Kelvin Sampson, what, eight years after Billy left? Uh, sounds about right. Yeah. I mean, 94 was his last year. I'm not mistaken. Before. And Billy, of course, went to TCU. Went to TCU. Yep. And, uh, did a really good job at TCU because Billy was a heck of a basketball coach. And one of his players down there at TCU was, uh, Jacoby Johnson's father, Malcolm. Yeah. And didn't he have, uh, was it Kurt Thomas who led the country in rebound, scoring and rebounding? Yeah, there you go. I believe for Billy. And here's the thing about Billy. I remember the first time. I saw Dick Vitale walk down the ramp at the Lloyd Double Center. Gonna have to play some defense, baby, you know. Uh, and came to town to see the Sooners play. I'm trying to remember who they were playing at that time. That was a you know the evening before Billy uh, uh, Vitale. We uh, we took Vitale out to uh, Opie's when Opie's was still around. But uh, you know the knock was well, I didn't play enough defense. Well. Scoring margin was what it was all about, and Billy wanted you to shoot quickly because they would out-athlete you getting up and down the floor, so they would give up some easy shots. If a guy got a 12-foot shot and they didn't think he could shoot it that well, they let him take it because they wanted to rebound the basketball and get down the floor. And that 88 team, you know, I just wish that 88 team would have won. 
because I truly believe that was the best team in college basketball. Don't think there's any doubt about it. They just didn't, you know, Danny and the Miracles had themselves a night. Uh, what do you think about the Michigan quarterback transferring to Oklahoma State, one listener asks? That would be Alan Bowman. Formerly at Texas Tech. Yes, indeed. And put up some numbers at Tech for a while. In he fact, did. didn't he win a game in Stillwater, I believe? He may have. Gosh, I, I don't quite remember. I think he I think he won a game there, if I'm is, not mistaken. Is that guy the answer for Oklahoma State at quarterback? I mean, he's probably the best option they have as of right now. I'm not sure that's saying a whole heck of a lot. That Oklahoma State team's in dire straits, Steely. I guess it, ugh, it's yeah. gotten ugly, man. With all with that portal access, they've lost something like eight or nine scholarship wide receivers Crazy. between guys that are going to the NFL and guys that hit the portal. I mean, it's astonishing. The last number I heard, I think, was was it seven starters and sixteen scholarship players? I think. Oh, is that all? That's honestly and maybe not, maybe not more than that, but you wonder if the Mike Gundy culture can survive in this modern day setup we have in college football. We'll see. You want to you want to walk on together at Oklahoma State? We can both play receiver, dude. I would run like a six two forty right now. If that, if I could even run thirty yards, I would probably run and trip after about twenty yards. Okay, you can walk on. You still look like you can still play. I might try it. Might make the drive up to Stillwater, walk into Mike Gundy's office, and be like, hey, you got nobody else. Let me play receiver. Crazy, man. Absolutely crazy what's happened there. Steely, save yourself. Call him Jackson Fornication Arnold from now on. (laughs) Okay. Jackson (laughs) Arnold. I nearly let one slip. I was very close, but upon further review – there was no completed F-bomb. Yeah. If if you weren't listening in the first hour, you're going to want to circle back around to the podcast once it's posted later today because that was some iconic content. You know, you get a crazy old man on the radio who has no idea what he's doing. You never know what's going to happen, right? You never know. Patrick says, has Spencer Sanders announced yet? No, I, he has not. That is the weirdest deal. You it, know, Is it? The whole thing... Well, I mean, you just think Spencer Sanders, I know he had Cowboy fans got on him some, but he he was one of those loyal and true guys, you thought. Maybe he didn't feel like, you know, he and, you know, the story is, the rumor is he went back to Gundy, wanted to come back, Gundy said no, and that's when the receivers, more of the receivers, uh, you know, started, uh, uh, you know, leaving. So, I don't know, it's just a weird deal. Chapstick says Mike Gunny himself might not survive today's environment. He's definitely a get-off-my-lawn old man who won't change. Yeah. 1989 says Shark. OU versus number one UNLV. Great game and a great Sooner win. It was about 100 degrees in the Lloyd Noble. I remember that game. Was that the game? I think that Jim Nance was the sideline reporter for that game, if I'm not mistaken. I remember it was one of the UNLV games. And I, Vegas had like Armand Gilliam, um, Jarvis Bass Knight. I can't remember. Uh, there's no way I can run a six two forty. How about a how about an eight two forty? Eight two is probably feasible. Eight two. All right. Eight yeah, two. I'm not going to try that. it. I'm not going to try it because the old man will trip and injure himself and be in a body cast, and that would not be good. Uh, Patrick says heard Auburn was leading for Spencer Sanders. Yeah, Auburn's yeah, heavily involved. That there. has been the the word that they have been leading at least. So. But still nothing yet. Maybe Georgia gets involved, too. They're in the market for a QB. I know that much. Wouldn't that be strange? 
Hmm. Interesting. All right, we got to get out of here. I want to thank uh, the Seth Wadley Auto Group, Big Time Jones, Patrick, Big Time Jones on Billy's uh, first teams. I remember when they went out to Hawaii, Big Time Jones missed the flight to the Rainbow Classic and had to get on a flight with North Carolina to fly out there with that North Carolina Tar Heel team. Charles Big Time Jones. There's a name from Days Gone By. All right, thanks to Riverwind Casino as well. Appreciate you guys. Get out there and play in the showdown in the desert promotion. Until Friday, maybe you can win one of the five trips to the Super Bowl. We're getting locked in up next with Parker and Tyler McComas. Have a tremendous Tuesday.